Uh, we're going to be in the book of Galatians. Uh, we're going to be in the third chapter of Galatians. Let me just go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, we just stand before you today in awe, Father, at you and who you are and for what you've done for us in this mixed up, upside down, troubled world that we as believers of having the faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, are able to do our daily duties with much joy in our heart, no matter the conflict we endure. We thank you for all the fellow saints that you've placed in our life for support, encouragement, and prayer. And Father, the mission field is just getting greater. Uh, Father, uh, the harvest is ripe and the laborers are few. We ask that you can send more to Lakeview Baptist to help. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, uh, Galatians, the third chapter. Paul, I'm just going to read the, the first two verses of Chapter 3. You foolish Galatian, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now, let's just talk a little bit about this. I need to stop there because Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. He was divinely chosen for that task to reach the Gentiles. So what you had is you had Paul doing missionary work, doing his travels, and he had went to Galatia. The actual spot in Galatia, we don't really know, but we do know that it, wasn't, it was not a large Jewish population. It was Gentiles. It was people that were just uh, outside of God and outside of God's word. And you had Paul going there doing his missionary work, sharing the gospel, the good news. These people had never picked up, uh, written, had read or heard the Old Testament. Uh, they had all their different rituals and beliefs. Almost in, a, we could say in this day, in comparison to our day and age today, the amount of unchurched people that we have in our communities and in, in our nation that, that absolutely know nothing about Christianity or Judaism. And they were broken people. See, because when, we, when we're warring against God and in opposition to God and have this broken, fallen nature in us, we come to points in our life that we become broken, we become empty, we become lost, we become confused. These people were hungry. They were hungry for something. Paul gave that to them. The message, and I should ask, I'm a Protestant. Do you, are, what are you? Are you a Protestant? Use a listen. Do you know what a Protestant is? It means protester. The next question I'd ask you, well, what are you protesting? Do you know what you're protesting? And I, we, have a, we, have, we have a struggle nowadays, probably with a lot of the churches, Protestant churches, that probably can't even answer that question correctly. Sad to say. So, Paul, sharing the gospel, the good news, the simple, the simple message. And 
in that message was, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. People understand their brokenness. They understand their need for something. Paul would explain to them how God come in the form of his creation, manifested himself in the form of his creation, who lived a sinless life. And after that sinless life, that if you, by just believing, it would, you could be a propitiation, you could change places, and God would take your wrath and punishment, and he would give you your righteousness. And you could live in glory and in, in peace, and you would have the Spirit come in you, and all you have to do is believe. Acknowledge and believe. That's it. That's just a simple message. Paul went and, and preached it. And, and, and in that time, the people knew and they heard about this man called Jesus, this God-man that was called Jesus, that did all these miracles as he walked through the land. It was in a short time, Paul's ministry, they knew about Jesus. The God came and manifested, brought uh, people back from life, made the blind see, did miracles wherever he went. That they did believe. They did believe. They wanted something different. And they believed. And in the moment they were believed, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were, by the way, it was grace by faith that they were saved. And it was a gift from God that gave them the grace to have the faith to believe. And they believed. And their eternal salvation was secure. They could have joy and peace in their heart for the rest of the remainders of their days. They would no longer have troubled spirits. And a lot of them did. Instantaneously, this would happen when a believer comes to believe. He is justified. In a legal term, he is found not guilty. He is found as if he did not ever even have done it. So... What you have then is you have people coming behind Paul in his ministry. And they, they were called the Judaizers. And what the Judaizers were doing, they were coming in and they wanted to bring the law back into it. They wanted to bring circumcision into it. They wanted to bring their sacrifices of animals into it. They wanted to bring their rituals back into it. They wanted to bring the works back into this. They wanted to bring people into the works. And them not even knowing the, the, the law in the past. And they would convince them that, don't you want to be a true believer? And the next thing you know, they're getting circumcised. They're, 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 they're doing the sacrifice. They're going through the process of becoming a Jew before they can become a Christian. So we, ha we have this... We have this going on today. You know, what, what do you mean, John, we have this going on today? Well, we as Protestants, the, one of the single most things was that by faith, by grace, we've been saved, not by our own works, for no man can boast. We, we believe there's nothing we can do that it comes from God. God imputes his righteousness, righteousness to us. We've been justified. Now at that moment of justification, what happens is my physical body, I'm still a sinner, 
but I've been declared by God righteous. I'm still the same person. I'm still the same sinner, but I've been declared by God righteous. Well, see, the other side doesn't say, no, 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 no. No, you, you can't. God cannot declare you righteous until you become righteous. Okay? We believe that it's faith by grace. And that's it. Now, and even the, the grace comes before faith, which is the forgiveness that God gives us. We can find that in, in verses Romans 3.24. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. We find that in Titus 3.7. So that being justified by his grace we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So even before faith comes, comes grace. Okay, so now we have the same scenario playing out today. That we have one group, Catholicism, Roman Catholicism to be exact, says that, that no, 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 they'll, they'll, they'll run to the book of James. They'll say, no, no, it, it goes by works. Okay? They'll go to the book of James and say faith and works, uh, they make an argument that it's, it's works. And as a result of your works, okay? Well, now here's the half-brother of Jesus, all right? And then here you have Paul. Now, sola scriptura, as Protestants, we believe we stand on the foundation. It's sola scriptura. The Bible alone is the inerrant word of God. Not, I do, cannot get no divine revelations from God that I can put something into this Bible. The Bible stands on its own and we use the Bible for all of our arguments. It may become a circular argument. You may have to have faith, but it's sola scriptura. It's a shame that so many of our churches, Protestant churches, we would still be fighting for that sola scriptura. Everybody wants to put on a dog and pony and a dance show to have someone come to be amused. This is not about amusing people. This is about feeding them the truth of God's word. Sola Scriptura. This is the message. And what, what is it then? Sola Fide then. By faith alone. So from faith alone, this book tells us, tells us it's by faith alone. And we have James, the half-brother of Jesus. You have the Apostle Paul, who's the, the apostle, as the Gentiles. And when this letter starts out, Paul introduces himself as an apostle, as an authoritative, not as a slave to Christ. He's pulling the full weight of God and, and who he is and his brothers, who he is. He's bringing, he's bringing it to bear on these people and saying, who has bewitched you, you silly Galatians? Who? This is who I am. Who's trying to deceive you? So here's Paul. Paul has it right. Now we know that there was a little bit of dispute at times in the book of Acts and, and he went and talked to James and the elders of the church and, and they got it all worked out. And, and Paul was set up to go and share the good news, the gospel of Christ, by faith, by grace alone, is what his task was to do. And James and Peter and the rest of them would minister to the Jews, but they would still minister to them. It's the same saving grace. It's faith by grace they've been saved. So here you have two authors in the New Testament book. Now, a lot of people will say, well, we just, if we could just throw out this one book of the Bible, we'll just throw James out, then, then everything will work fine for us. Now, I believe the Catholics have a lot harder time 
because there is just redundancy, so many verse after verse. So they, they would need to throw Paul out, okay? Well, Sola Scriptura says we can't throw nobody out, so how does this, how does this work? John, uh, Scripture conf uh, contradicts itself. No, 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 hold on. No, we, we need to address this issue. We don't need to run from it. We don't need to preach it on two different Sundays. We need to address the issue right now, right in front of us, why it sits. Knowing that James and, and Paul had great regard, great respect for advancing the kingdom of God, that I, I don't think that they would, would write something in opposition to each other. Like, uh, I disagree with Dan, so I'm going to write my memoirs this, because I know Dan says that, and we're going to post it for the whole church family to see it. Uh, I, I don't think we'd do that. I, I think we, we sit down and we work things out as brothers. Uh, and I, don't, I know that they didn't do it either. So what, what's going on here? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. Just to make a long story short, then I'll get into a little bit more. This is, is being, it's faith by God. God, God acknowledges, God justifies us by believing, okay? James is talking about being justified by men. Well, what are you, what are you saying by that? Okay, if I, okay, I, I, I'll tell you what I can do. I can run, jump on that bench there, jump up on top of there, and climb that beam all the way up there. Now, now you say, now, John, come on. You might be able to run over there, but I don't, I don't have faith in you that you can do that. See? So that we, we have, understand there's different types of faith. No, no, I, I can do that. So if one says that he has faith that he can do something, you're going to say, John, show me. I, I'm, I'm not buying it. Show me. All right? This is before man. I have to show this. Now, God knows the moment I say that I'm going to do that. He knows that if I can do it or if I cannot do it. And if, if I believe in him, and so in Romans 1, not Romans, in Genesis, remember it was accredited to Abraham, his righteousness, and it was justified. Abraham was, it, this comes in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, we find here Abraham, who is 86 years old, and it says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great, Abram. Said, O Lord God, what will you give me, since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Elziar of Damascus? And Abram said, Since you have given no offering to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look towards the heavens and count the stars if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteous. When God had that conversation with Abram, he believed and it was reckoned to him. He was justified. This time right here, he was justified. He was made right before God at this present time, at this time. All right. 
So we're saying, that's good, John. He's 86 and that happened. Okay. Well, we find that Paul, the Apostle Paul, refers to, refers to, now here we have, a, we have a problem because we have the two authors that are using Exhibit A for their, their witness and their testimony. So we have the same person, Abram, that they're going to use as their reason between faith, between works and faith. They got the same witness that they're using. So now they used, Paul uses Abram in chapter 15 when he's 86 years old to make his argument. Romans, it says in Romans chapter 4, What then shall we say that Abram, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he was something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness for believing. I just read that to you in Genesis chapter 15. Now to those who, now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Okay, and this is where we get that it's because of Abraham's faith that this justification has been imputed to him. Now let's move over to Genesis chapter 22, because now we have James saying in his book, James then says, I'm not going to read 20 verses, but James basically says their whole argument bases in the book of James, but, but James does refer to Abraham. And Abraham believed God, and it was in the faith. Okay, hold on, let me back up. Let me just. Okay. God is one. You do well. The demons also believed, shuddered, but you are willing to recognize the foolish fellow that faith without works, faith without works is useless. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on that altar? You see that faith was working with his works. So here we find that James is saying it's by works. And this is where we tend to have the conflict. But then I'll say this again. It's not. This is for to prove in front of man, not before God, because how could Abraham be justified twice? Abraham was justified in chapter 15 when he's 86 years old. Abraham now is 115 years old. It's in chapter 22. Then they came to the place of which God held, had told him. Now Abraham's already been justified this time. He, he's already been made right with God. When he's bringing Isaac up to the altar to sacrifice Isaac, this, this has already happened. So what are they saying here? He arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abram stretched out his hand and took a knife to slay his son. He said, do not stretch out your hand against that lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son your only son for me. So this is where they're saying, 
It's by works. But we have to understand James, what James is saying, James is complimenting, James is complimenting Paul on his book. We have a lot of this now today, people run around in there, they believe they're carnal Christians. They believe that I've been saved, I said a prayer, I believed, and I've been, and I, and I've been saved. And God knows your heart. God knows if you've been saved, if you believe. The moment it happens, he knows it. So what, what we're saying then, James is saying, if you're professing that you've been saved, where's your works? Is there a new person? Is there a change in you? Show me one's faith, I'll show me his works. It was never that works could get you your faith. Remember, it's by faith, by grace we've been saved, not of our own works, for no man could boast. So how then could Abram, by his works, be made right with God. He can't. So what I'm saying is that James, when he wrote this, compliments Paul. And I'm saying to, to you that if you're a professing Christian and you say that you've been saved, that you've been saved by grace, I say, show me, show me your works. Uh, show it in front of man. Show me a changed person. Now, I think there's a disadvantage sometimes a little bit to the fact that maybe people that are brought up in a church, you know, they're, they're brought up and they're, they're raised in a culture where this is what you need to do. You, you know, it's seed planted in good soil and this is what you need to do. You need to go to church. You need to do these things. And maybe we can get caught up in the law aspect of it. So maybe it's even better for a church person that I say, show me a changed person. When was your conversion? When did you change as a person? What are your works for the Lord? What are you doing? Now, it's amazing that I believe and that I believe what I believe. I can't see God. I can't see Jesus. I can't feel it. But by God's grace, he, he come upon me, his grace, gave me the faith to believe. And there was, there was a change. There was a change in this person. I've been able to love people that I could not love. I can understand how to love uh, my wife. I understand how to love people that are in opposition, that are one with God. I can give him my inner anger. He can take that from me. I can spend my time, my treasure, and my talent and offering it to the Lord. Not, I'm not up here saying this, uh, trying to break by no means. Uh, I, I see a change in me over my life. Where, where, is, where is your change? is all we need to ask ourselves. And how would you, and if you've not been in the church in this scenario to ask yourself that question, you just grew up on the streets, you're a product of your environment in a nation that once was God was revered and held high, but now we don't even know God and his word. And you're broken. You're in an addiction, you're, you're living your life for, your addiction is yourself. You're living to please yourself. It's all about you. 
You're in opposition to God. Your spirit is troubled. There's an emptiness inside of you. You're hearing these words. Just the effectual call of God calling you. All those that hear his word that are his will come to him. Make that commitment today. There's another group of people that's very troubled. That they were told you were justified at your point of birth. You were justified. You were justified. You were made right with God. And then they, they, they had all this dogma placed upon them. And then the next thing that happens is they commit a sin. Oh no. Oh no. No, you committed a mortal sin. So now you need to repent of your sin. You, you've lost your salvation. You had your salvation. You committed this sin. Now you, you need to repent. You need to give something to regain your, your justification, your righteousness. They say, we don't believe. Until you get righteous, we don't believe that you can be covered with the blood of Christ. That's what they're saying. That you have to become righteous. We're going to give you the tools. It's going to be an infusion. We gave you a justification infusion at birth. And we gave you the tools. But until you can walk right. Until every letter of this law is what Jesus tells us. Because if you're going to go by the law and be righteous. You've got to be 100% righteous. This is placed upon you. It's beat into you. And how many people want nothing to do with that God? If, if, if that was imposed on me, I will just sleep in tomorrow. There's no sense of me waking up. I ain't going to make it. They're in opposition to each other. And the people that do this to this group of people say that I'm in anathema. Anathema, very strong word, in the Council of Trent. You're anathema because you believe that way. That means the full wrath of God shall come down upon you for your belief. By faith, by grace I've been saved. Nothing of my own works. Because I believe that way and I preach that way. The full wrath of God will bear down upon you. They declare. Well Paul in Galatians says it two or three times. Let you be anathema. Let you be cursed who's going and preaching a different gospel than what I'm preaching. And that was the Judaizers. The same thing. Putting all this works. And, and their yoke was so heavy. Placing it upon people. To use God. To dominate and control people. So. We're going to wrap this up. I just want to thank everybody for listening. And, 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 I, and I just want to say. If you've been trapped in a, hearing a false gospel, uh, I believe a lot of people have, and I believe a lot of them are already saved. I, I believe there's just a, there's an ignorance, the same way there's an ignorance in the Protestant churches, there's an ignorance in the Catholicism churches, that people really don't study their Bible, and what they believe, and by believing that they're called by the Spirit, and one can be saved, and I have a lot of friends that I believe, that are my brothers in Christ, but I, I, the ones who stand up here and preach and teach, we better get it right. So if you're a member of the other side, and, and I would seriously consider to 
reading some scripture, thinking about this. What book of the Bible do you need to throw out? I don't need to throw out any book of the Bible because it's sola scriptura, and James is just enhancing Paul by show me if you're saying you're a believer and you're saved, then show me by what do you do? What are you giving with your time, treasure, and your talent? And I, I challenge you today in Jesus' name, amen.